0: Good morning, comrades. You're listening to Workers' Power on 4 Z. That was just a premature language warning no, no, you we've get, probably got some... I'm a
1: bit cranky today, so it's probably good that you uh, played the language warning for me.
0: Bill's going to be cussing all over the air now. <laughs> <he's laughs> anyway, you're listening to Workers' Power with Hannah, Jackson and Bill on 4 Z, And we just listened to Enema by Tool to get us all worked up for the show. Uh, Thank you to Art Cart and Matlock for another awesome show. Uh, Today we have a jam-packed show with plenty of workers' action. We'll be talking to Jaden from Anti-Poverty Network Queensland and also a member of the party about the imminent release of Real Politic by Worker and Parasite. And as usual, we'll be finishing off by announcing the world-famous Scallywag of the Week. Uh, Before we can do any of that, we acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from which we broadcast, the Yuggera and Turrbal people. This land was stolen, never ceded. We pay our respects to Elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge all First Nation comrades listening today. We stand in solidarity with First Nations people in their struggles for recognition, reparations and land rights. Uh, On that note, we're going to jump on into some First Nation workers' action.
2: Uh, Yeah, so unfortunately we've got some bad news from Victoria this week. Uh, This just happened yesterday, so there's not a lot to say at the moment, but we've got some statements from people involved, and this is a short statement from the Jabwarong camp. Uh, Fifteen cop cars, riot squad, and more have arrived to clear out the Jaburong sovereign camps and destroy sacred trees. The sacred Jaburong directions tree has been cut down, and workers are continuing to dismantle structures and remove trees. This is genocide. This is permanent cultural destruction. Shame. And then a post from an indigenous organization called Sovereign Union reads, The Jaburong call this ancient tree the directions tree which they believe grew from a seed and the placenta of their ancestor many centuries ago. It is a towering yellow box with a distinctive serpent-like swirl on its trunk. These trees have been fiercely guarded by the Djeborong Embassy and hundreds of supporters since mid-2018, with protesters staring down police efforts to carry out eviction orders on many occasions. roads are planned to cut down this and numerous other trees of Aboriginal cultural value to widen a road. Jaburung had applied for protection of the area under Federal Aboriginal Heritage Act several times. Multi-clan elder Auntie Sandra Onus, who is brought to the late who brought the latest case, said bulldozing trees that her people deemed sacred was akin to Rio Tinto's destruction of two 46000 year old sacred Aboriginal caves in western Australia. We've shown them a better way to do this and they're not listening to us, Miss Onus said of the government. They're being bloody-minded as far as I'm concerned.
0: Absolute, absolutely shameful, shameful behaviour grubby, grubby, um yeah,
2: and it just shows the absolute contempt that the governments or the Australian governments have for Aboriginal people and their culture,
0: yeah, just to save a couple of minutes of commute time for yeah. people um they're they're destroying this this culture, which has been around for so so long. <laughs> Um, so we uh, here at Workers' pal, we we stand in solidarity with you down there, and we're thinking of you. Um, this would be incredibly painful for a lot of um, people, I imagine.
2: And they realise that because the uh, lockdown in Victoria is ending, yeah. that they wouldn't be able to. Uh, that people would suddenly be able to come and support the Aboriginal people and stop them from cutting down the trees, so they moved in quickly to try and yeah. stop that from happening. Yeah,
0: I figured it had something. You, yeah, that's what I was trying to get at in my mind. Thank you, Jackson. Um, yeah, exactly right. Because they've they've been out there for for quite a few months now, protecting this area. So the governments they've seen their their opportunity and they've taken it. Mm, yeah, very very upsetting. Um, so our next story is an update it's, a it's cop- some good news yes this is some good news um a copper pig is to face a murder trial over the death of Kumanjai walker northern territory cop and walking pile of human faeces zachary rolfe has been committed to stand trial in the supreme court over the fatal shooting of walpuri man Kumanjai walker Rolf was charged with murder after the 19-year-old Walpuri man was shot dead in his bed in the remote com- community of Ywanduma, around 300 kilometres west of Alice Springs, last November. Judge John Birch handed down his decision in the Alice Springs local court on Monday after a three-day committal hearing last month. It is the first time a police officer will face a murder trial over an Aboriginal death in custody in the Northern Territory. The trial will likely begin next year at which Rolfe has previously indicated he intends to plead not guilty. Family broke into tears as the decision was handed down while community waved Aboriginal flags on the court lawns outside. Elders and young ones from the Uenduma community gathered outside the Alice Springs local court throughout the day with banners reading Justice for Walker and some donning the desert pea flower as a symbol of their mourning. Monday's decision comes one week after Kumanjai's central desert family finally laid him to rest at an emotional ceremony in Uenduma.
2: Yeah, so it's really exciting that this has finally happened. We've been following this uh, one for a while and it's great to see a good outcome and we're going to keep following it to see where the Supreme Court case goes and hopefully the cop gets prosecuted.
0: Oh, I hope so. That would be that would be amazing. It's going to be looks like it's going to be a pretty drawn out process. Yeah, it's going to be a long, while.
1: Yeah, long way to go, but this is a giant step, you know, yeah. just to mm. uh, get them there in the face even though it's, uh, we all, we've all got different, differing views on the justice system, but
2: mm. um, at least it's in there. Oh yeah, I'm a prison abolitionist, except for cops. Yeah, <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's <laughs> well, another place for them, isn't there? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's that, that's some some good news, you know. And uh, yeah, at least it, it'll be into the justice system. We got yeah. more new good news here.
0: Yes, so we have one more story, which is from WA. A class action against the Western Australian Government's theft of wages from Indigenous workers gained rapid traction, with more than 1,600 people signing up in 48 hours. The action was lodged by Shine lawyers on behalf of workers whose wages were stolen as part of a labour scheme operated under the Native Administration Act 1936 and the Native Welfare Act 1963. There are 10,000 workers expected to be directly eligible in addition to a substantial number of their descendants who can be compensated on their behalf. A spokesperson for the Minister of Indigenous Affairs, Ben, has stated that the government will look to achieve a mediated outcome of any claims made and will acknowledge the impact that the historical government policies related to income control have had on Indigenous people.
1: Yeah, from my limited knowledge of law, I think this will settle. That's why the head- heading was likely to be a mediated outcome because there's already the pre- precedent from the the Queensland... Um, yeah, that
0: was pretty uh, drawn out, I believe, it the yeah, last oh, few years. Yeah, I it's going
1: to take years and years and years. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know. And, uh, um, yeah, hopefully a couple of claimants will die in the meantime and they'll save themselves a bit of money, you know. Mm. It's... A, it's, it's terrible, um, the, the legal industry, and, 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 and especially when it comes to First Nations workers getting justice. Uh, these things take a lot, a lot of time.
0: Hmm. Well, anyway, at least it looks like it should be settled outside of the court, so...
1: Yeah, the, the, the big thing to draw out of that is not only have they got shine lawyers, but with more than 1,600 people signing up in 48 hours, that's collective action, oh, comrades, yeah. you know. 1,600 applicants, um, yeah, gives it a, a, a real bit of bang, real, real bit of power. So good on those comrades uh, for standing up for, for, for themselves and for what's right. Right, oh, it's it's up to me, and I've got to uh, introduce something special. Normally, we do agitate, educate, organise. We've got such a big show, we probably won't have time to talk about uh what we've been up to but one thing that i've been up to is i've recorded an interview now I'm, I'm pretty sure this is the first uh interview of a of a band that that i've done and this is very very special comrades uh, i've been looking forward to uh playing you this uh, particular interview from uh, um a band called a worker and parasite um, but uh, I look, I, I think uh, we'll we'll let the interview do the talking and uh, so get ready for this. this is this is pretty special, comrades. Hello and it's Comrade Bill on uh, workers power and uh, we've got a, a special uh, announcement today uh, from the party. I have uh, Comrade Zed on the line. Can you tell us about it, comrade?
3: Good afternoon, Comrade Bill. The party would like to thank you wholeheartedly for your support of Worker and Parasite and of the continued actions of the party. Today, we are announcing the second musical work of Worker and Parasite, Realpolitik, which will be available for general consumption on the 5th of November 2020. We encourage all party members and all prospective party members to listen to this work and propagate it as widely and quickly as possible. Thank you.
1: Excellent. Excellent. Very exciting. And uh, could you tell us uh, about Worker and Parasite?
3: Worker and Parasites is a musical collective syndicated and organized by the party for the promotion of party ideals and to shift the views and values of our current society. The members are neither constant nor visible to the public. And all art, whether it be music or visual, is created solely for the purpose of promoting a party ideal at that time.
1: Wow, it's very organised. We love that here on uh, Workers' Power. Now, where where can uh, comrades and and people interested uh, go and find out more information?
3: Well, unfortunately, the fall of the... uh, late stage capitalist society has not occurred yet. And at this point we are using their platforms to disseminate our music. The ones that you will be most familiar with are Facebook, Instagram, Bandcamp, Spotify, uh, as well as various others. All you have to do is search up worker and parasite and you will find exactly what you're looking for.
1: Thank you. And, uh, is there, does, is there a live presence uh, by worker and parasite when, uh, Uh, things get back to normal.
3: We absolutely hope to perform live in both, uh, well, in in many forms, um, whether that's uh, a, a duo or a collective of eight, whether it's an online show that people can view digitally or whether it's in a club. We have been instructed by the party to base ourselves in Melbourne and at the moment are adhering to the rules of lockdown and have not had a chance to perform in a live setting thus far.
2: Well, looking forward
1: to, to that. And uh, hopefully uh, uh, the uh, the party bus can be used to bring you up here to Brisbane.
3: We absolutely have plans to perform these works as far and wide as is possible.
1: Well, thank you for coming on and, and, and annou- making the announcement here on uh, Workers' Power. Um, we we look forward to uh, we will be playing the sh- the song right now um uh, as an exclusive thank you for letting us do that
3: you're very welcome comrade
1: and we will we we'll keep keep comrades uh up to date um right here on workers power with all goings on um and
3: party activities solidarity forever to you comrade
4: centre of the universe Rehearsed instinct in verse Think not what you think now Art of misdirection Deflection to perfection On to the next question See not what you see now Statistic scale for abstraction Diatribe the best distraction Words confuse the interaction Expediting a reaction Doesn't that feel better? A lovely cashmere sweater franchise man <laughs>
0: listening to workers power on four triple z with hannah kelly and Jaden, and Hello. we just listened to real politic by worker and parasite you heard it here first on four triple z so as i mentioned we have kelly and Jaden in the studio and we're going to be talking about anti-poverty network queensland hey
5: everyone <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, where shall we start off?
5: I reckon it'd start with, um, well, APN, if people don't really know. It's Anti-Poverty Network. So, Jaden, who are you? Um, So, we're an alliance of poor people who've decided to come together
6: through mutual aid and direct action to essentially get ourselves out of poverty. Uh, We've done this by uh, primarily advocating for those on Centrelink, you know if they're getting messed around by centrelink or job networks we'll sort of uh, step in and help out there yeah. attend people's appointments but as well as that uh, there's also been like a campaigning sort of angle so we've been a part of the campaign to get uh jobs uh centrelink benefits raised uh, to above the poverty line as well as like anti-cashless welfare card um campaigns as well as like stopping drug testing for you know, welfare recipients so basically trying to get you know, make our life, you know, more tolerable for those on Centrelink benefits. So how long have you actually been running for? We formed in January uh, 2017. Um, basically what happened was uh, in around December 2000, uh, you know, late 2016 a group of homeless people were uh, li- who were living under the go-between bridge were um, basically kicked out with all their possessions sort of thrown away right. and basically we thought that was absolutely disgusting, like you know, they've, they've got hardly anything as it is and they're being treated like
5: yeah, yeah.
6: You know, utter trash, essentially. So, you know, we wanted to call a forum to sort of see, like, okay, can we do anything to actually build solidarity with, like, um, homeless people and people in cool. poverty in general? So, yeah, that was sort of the goal there.
0: Cool. And how did you first... Like, what was the first movements the, the group made to establish itself? Um...
6: I guess the main thing we sort of did to establish ourselves that really put us on the map was we did a squat on Lytton Road in 2017. Uh, So at the time there was um, 60,000 homeless people and 80,000 vacant properties in Brisbane. That number's probably gone up now, I would imagine. Mm. But, you know... um, and. and we just thought that was absolutely ridiculous like, it's not like we don't have the housing it's right there just sitting vacant so yeah mm-hmm. uh we decided all right we're gonna go take one of these houses and actually try and make it into like a squat um we lasted for about 36 hours um but i think yeah like that really sort of uh put us on the map and sort of like you know showed people that we were willing to actually step up and do what needed to be done
0: yeah and then, in twenty eighteen we held a community day, <laughs> yeah, so basically the
6: community day is basically we get a bunch of services together, um oh God, who do we have like
0: oh we had legal, we had a food bank, we had housing and social workers I had dental mm-hmm. that was a big hit lots free- of lots of kids came in and got free dental assessments, yeah, but as I can't remember what else we had. That was so long ago. Yeah, It was I know. wonderful though, wasn't it? Yeah, but
6: it basically the principle was like, let's get all these uh, uh, services that, you know, people in poverty, you know, would struggle to find otherwise. Stick them in one room completely for free and we'll just sort of top it off with like free food bank. People could take whatever they need, like, and, you know, there'd be like bread, other sort of st- staples and all that, as well as like free mm-hmm. lunch. So like, yeah. Um, we did a couple of those in 2018
5: and they were really successful events. Well, that's good. And Food Bank's still going, so it's it's a great thing with all the suburbs and, you know, helping people out. It's important, I reckon.
0: Yeah, uh, people definitely. always need food. <laughs> oh,
5: definitely. And it's a good service for lots of people. When you were saying you're 36 hours when you were in a squat, um, was it the police that took you out or how, how? what happened there? Oh, so basically it was actually really crazy. They, um, so we had
6: four of us there at the time because a bunch of people had left to go and get, like, resources, food, battery packs, yeah, et cetera, yeah. and you had a... 30 cops plus eight council workers basically were just like, wow. you know, we kind
0: Overkill of. Overkill. I know, I right?
6: It was, it was ridiculous. Like, um, and yeah, it, it was even crazy because, like, you know, uh, the back door was open and we kind of realized there were four of us. We, there's not much we can do. So <laughs> we're just like.
0: <laughs> Up against 30, 30 cops. <laughs> yeah, and um,
6: and okay. they started like drilling the door off. The, uh, the front door was bolted shut and they started dr- uh, drilling it off and we're just like, Back doors open, guys. <laughs> like, we're not. It's fine. We we, we won't fight just you. Take like, the easy way in. We'll just go. <laughs> yeah, like, we're ready to go. It's fine. Like, uh, we're not gonna win this. Like, <laughs> yeah. Just come in.
0: Nah. <laughs> yeah but it really helped to cement APN Queensland and got everyone motivated I imagine
6: definitely and it's like i think the thing to sort of mention is like there are other APNs but like i think we've really taken a an approach of like direct action so like you know with like the squat with other things we've done like we did a thing uh, a couple of weeks ago called rampage day that was fun that was amazing <sighs> that was really good uh basically what we sort of did with there is um Westpac Bank are doing the banking for Indu, who are the people behind the Cashless Welfare Debit Card, and um, you know that, which is just yet another attack on you know um, poor people, and you know, you know, and it just has uh, brought about uh, brought about so much harm on you know uh, to the communities that have been impacted. So you know, we wanted to take a bit of a step. Um, sort of go on the attack on them for once instead of always constantly being on the defensive
0: yeah and bring it to people's attention i imagine because a lot of people wouldn't realize that it's westpac i honestly didn't know until you told me <laughs>
6: Yeah. well i didn't know either until we started doing the research for this
0: yeah exactly
5: Uh-oh. so i'm trying to think of another question <laughs>
0: <laughs> so do you want to tell us a bit about what's been happening this year with apn um
6: Oh, look, we took a bit of a dip um, with, uh, you know, COVID, but um, basically uh, we started taking a really... Uh, helping out a lot in the Kangaroo Point blockade. Um, but as well as that, we've... Uh, yeah, uh, we've basically been in a massive spot of rebuilding the group now. So, um, yeah, we did Rampage Day. That was the big thing. And um, now we want to start looking to do a bit more, like, mutual aid kind of work. So, um uh, excuse me um so basically yeah we're gonna start uh doing more around like the job network system that's um you know that's been oppressing poor people for a long time now uh so we're going to be doing a forum about that next month but also we want to start doing like regular like stores in around the valley to do like you know giving people like you know trying to provide resources to
5: people like you know food or whatever um as well as, like, general information. So well, if people want to be involved or, um, you know, come and see you guys to have a chat, where can they get hold of you or go and uh, see you? Best, um, uh, The best way to do that is
6: the Facebook page, Anti-Poverty Network Queensland. Yep. Um, and, yeah, like, that's probably the best way
0: to get in touch with us. I just want to quickly touch on something you mentioned with a turnaround of membership. I imagine that'd be pretty pretty uh, big challenge for the network. I know personally I'm still technically a member (laughs) but I haven't really been active for a while so is that something that you've really found challenging is just the general turnover because it's it's all voluntary obviously. So you need to keep people's motivation up.
6: Um in this case, I've actually found it's, like, really brought a lot of energy into the group. Like, you know, um, a lot of these people uh, I've met at the blockades so were already sort of doing, like, a whole bunch of, like, you know, direct action and, um, you know, sort of living in the – on the front lines anyway. And so, sort of, like, yeah, I don't know, like, it, for us it's been really well because, like, we all, have, we all sort of have this shared vision now of what APN can be. And
5: um, it, 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 it's, it's gone a little too well.
0: Oh, that's great. That's wonderful.
5: Yeah. It's positive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: definitely. <laughs> oh.
5: Now, what support have you had from the government? Ah, uh, The short answer, none. Ah, um, there you go. <laughs> you know, basically,
6: we're very much reliant on, you know, membership sort of pledges and, I guess, whatever donations we can get.
5: Yeah. Um, we've got, yeah, pretty much a sho- shoestring budget. Right. So no support. So you get nothing at all from the government. Nothing. That's, that's really disappointing. Yeah, yeah. So tell us a bit more about, about APN. Oh,
6: that's... A,
5: Broda, what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> to tell more of the listeners about what you guys do and and how they can get help and um, and so so basically, yeah, um, the main thing that we're doing right
6: now is like, a lot of advocacy. So you know, we've got a lot of people for the very first time dealing with like, job networks and like the SendLink process. So you know, while things for them have been okay you know, um, with uh, the easing of mutual obligations, but that, that, stuff, can, that stuff is going to be coming back pretty soon and all that. So um, sort of just getting ready for that massive demand, and um, that's sort of why we're doing this forum. Uh, that we're going to be doing next week Cool. uh, to sort of, you know, get people like knowing their rights on, like, you know, um, because, you know, the job networks in Centrelink, they'll always try to, you know, muddy the waters a bit, you know, telling telling people they need to do things that they don't need to. And so, yeah, um... Yeah, that's why I feel like informing me need to get people knowing
0: uh, right? I've asked you this question before, Jaden, but I just want to ask you again because I think it's really I don't know quite important to talk about at the moment. But with uh, the pandemic and so many new people finding themselves on Centrelink benefits, have you found community attitude towards Centrelink and towards Anti Poverty Network has really changed?
6: Absolutely, like. For, uh, so for so many people, it was, like, you know, just continuing like, you know, they believed all the sort of Murdoch press about, like, people, like, you know, welfare, you know, getting it, people on welfare getting it really easy and all that. And like, now for the first time, they're just like, oh, my God, no, this is actually, what what is this? And, you know, just the indignity that, you know, we're forced to deal with every day and just, yeah. Um, it's, it is really starting to shift. And like, I feel like when people start, when mutual obligate, like, they've started again, but when things get more serious... As COVID gets better, um, I think you're really going to start to see a massive switch very quickly.
0: What kind of effects do you think that will have? Like, systemically, do you think... The, have you thought of... I don't, I don't Look, personally it's, know it's the answer. It's really hard to
6: say because, you know, just, like, things are changing very quickly right now, but I feel like it's going to be a lot hard... Hopefully it will be a lot, you know, harder for, you know, government to legitimise this, this sort of thing and... Uh, you know, uh, essentially demonise us for being on, uh, you know, demonise us for being, like, lazy and unemployed when you sort of see, you know, the, uh, the things we have to deal with.
0: Yeah, especially as lots of people are trying to get jobs again. I think there's probably an enormous amount of people out there trying to get get jobs, especially with Centrelink being cut back down. At the end of December, it's being... Well, they're, they're saying it's going to be brought back down to the pre-COVID levels, which is, as we know, is well below the poverty line. Mm. $40 a day. Yeah, and there's no jobs. There's no jobs for people. So all these people are going to be stuck on Centrelink. So I'm really interested to see how it pans exactly. out.
6: Well, it's like, you know, even before COVID happened, there's like 12 job seekers for every vacant job. Yeah. I don't even know what that number is now, but I can guarantee it's something ridiculous. Well,
0: hopefully we're gonna it's going to help change that discourse because you'd see it on... You know, Facebook like, oh, just get a job, you blood jar. There are no jobs. (laughs) There's no jobs. But hopefully uh, hopefully that discourse is changing. (laughs) Hopefully,
5: definitely. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so tell us about the forum that you've got next week going on. So, yeah, the forum is going to be next uh, Thursday at 6pm
6: at 74B Wickham Street. So, at this point, the speakers include myself and uh, Sally Gunner. I believe that's her name. uh, who's from the CPSU who deals with, like, a lot of Centrelink workers. Right. Um, And so uh, we're just trying to find one more sort of to... with a lived experience with the job networks. Yep, yep. So
5: that starts at 6. starts at 6pm, yeah. And how long? What, a couple of hours or...? Uh, Six till eight. Six till eight, there you go.
0: Yep. Yeah, so if you want to know more about anti-poverty Network and what people have gone through with job network agencies, like, I personally don't think I know anyone who's ever gotten a job through a job network. Agency. I'm sure some people have.
6: The amount of people I've dealt with who uh, who are on Job Network, yeah, I can probably maybe, maybe I can think of one.
0: Yeah, that's a. But I imagine you you know a lot of people. I, well, I,
6: <laughs> I'm I'm one of the people that does the advocacy for uh, anti poverty network Queensland, so I do speak to one. Yeah. yeah, no, I'm honestly one. having yeah. like I can't even remember if that was like if they kept that job or not.
0: <laughs> yeah, job job networks don't get you money. Nah. They're just a, a method for the government to funnel money back, yeah. well, that, you know. well, that's the
6: thing, like, that they, they get money, you know, f- to keep you in their program. Like, so they're getting money to if they can send you to like, things like Job Club and all. There is actually no incentive for them to actually get you into long-term sustainable employment because then they're not going to be making money off you. That, that hurts their
0: profits. Yeah, so it all just comes back to money, like everything else. It's yep. all money, money, money. Mm-hmm. They don't actually want you to get a job. They just want to keep... Which getting a their shame money. Really because
5: the Job Network is just supposed to be helping the people. And it just, you're just a number, really, aren't you? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. You know, which is a shame. Because there's all those people out there that go to these networks and you have to because of Centrelink. Yeah. And then, really, do they give a shit? No.
0: No, they don't. I remember... I haven't had a lot to do with Job Networks, but I remember one time years ago when I first started studying, I went in there and because I had to go see one. And I just... So I wanted to use their printer, so I ended up printing out about 200 pages for uni, and they were all freaking out, and their printer was getting jammed, and that was fun.
6: Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that uh, that's really uh, you know, I don't know I
0: it. <laughs> it was it was funny. I thought it was funny. Yeah. yeah. And I have got free printing, and uh, yeah, that's one of my few experiences. But anyway, yes. Got free printing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was free. I'm like, oh, you're yeah, my job network. You can print all this stuff out for me and <laughs> nice yeah. yeah so anyway um 6 p.m next thursday 74b wickham street come along and if you've had experiences yourself i imagine that definitely come along and share your experiences Absolutely. yeah with Centrelink, with job network agencies because we need to be sharing our stories and talking definitely. about all of this just to help raise awareness raise consciousness and um, fight back because this is a horrible punitive system in which people, as as Kelly said, are just numbers and money is more important. Yeah,
6: and it's, you know I think now now more than ever is the time we need to start realizing realizing our collective power as unemployed. Like we still do have a lot of power. So
0: yeah, and we're, and still and <laughs> we're still people. We're still people. Yeah, we are people. We deserve I to to live. You know. Yeah fruitful lives <laughs>
6: yeah it's like now we need to start showing people like if you know if they're going to treat us like this we will actually take action and we're not going to like cop it anymore
0: yes solidarity yes is there anything else you'd like to mention Jaden, while we have you here
6: um look just be, please come to the forum <laughs>
0: come to the forum um if you didn't catch the details head over to the anti-poverty network Cle- queensland facebook site you have the event up there so you can click going share it with your friends yeah please yeah share. anyone who has to deal with job networks or centrelink in general or uh, you know anyone's just struggling to find work is yeah get along it's it's really important that we all stand together through mm-hmm. this
6: and uh, i guess i'd f- uh, say like yeah and if you are dealing if you are struggling with centrelink or your job agency please get in touch with us because we can actually help you deal with all that
0: yeah even if you can't make a long to the forum get in touch and Jaden, he knows his stuff and he will fight for you all right so you're listening to workers power thanks no Z. yes thank you so much data we'll see you probably again oh no doubt in a few <laughs> weeks or something <laughs> And we were just talking during the break, me and Kelly, and she divulged that she actually used to work for a major job network agency.
5: Certainly did, about 15 years ago, actually. And, um, yeah, it was an experience. Um, I was basically what they called PPS, which is Post-Placement Support Officer. And um, I would be looking after the kids that got into jobs anywhere from naught to 6 months, uh, to 6 months to 12 months. But mainly their focus was 36 plus, which was what they called long-term unemployed. And at the end of the month, you had to ring employers and ring those um, your clients and basically uh, try and claim to the government. And it was very, very stressful. I actually ended up quitting after it because I worked for them for about 9 months and it was just too much pressure. I just felt for the kids basically that you're putting in for those jobs, that they really didn't care. Um, you did their resumes up for them and most of the kids unfortunately didn't stay in the jobs because they weren't experienced for it. Um, they'd provide boots and things like that, some they um, gave uniforms to, some they did dental and haircuts and things like that to get them job ready. But a lot of these people, just they were just thrown in and it wasn't the jobs that they wanted to do. And it was just sad and just the end of the month claiming for the government and it was big bucks, especially for the 36 plus and those people that were long-term unemployed and if you lasted six months in that job, the government would basically pay the agency's money.
0: Okay, so it was, yeah, money, money, money. It (laughs) It was
5: basically the money and you had a target that you had to get and it was branch of the month and things like this and, you know, you just had to you know, basically all your KPSs that you had to um, to get for the end of the month. And if you didn't achieve that, you'd be, have the boss come down on you and, you know, you'd be in trouble for not making your KPS or making the target. So it was just really stress trying but to make money off of people. <laughs> yeah, so
0: there was no regard for what the actual jobs were that you were pushing no, people into.
5: definitely not. And it didn't matter what job it was, it just mattered, basically, bums on seats, really, get those people off the books. And that's what they were mainly concerned about, to get the kickback from the government.
0: Yeah, and you didn't last long, as you said. <laughs> no, nine
5: months, and I gave it away. It was too much pressure. I didn't. I didn't like the ethics of it, and it just no, no.
0: See ya. <laughs> yeah, it'd be interesting to find out how much has changed because you said it was fifteen years ago. Fifteen years ago, yeah, and it was horrible then. <laughs>
5: yeah, it was fifteen years ago, and you think what it's like now? Goodness me. <laughs> yeah, I like
0: yeah. kind of feel for the workers who were there, because as I mentioned earlier, we're like people do need jobs
5: in our world we live in. It was cases like sometimes too that people would lose their their payments and so forth if they didn't come to JPS which is the job search training and all they needed to do was turn up basically and just sign a bit of paper even if they didn't do anything but they would lose their payments if third strike they're out and nine weeks they wouldn't get payments for, and it's just like, this is ridiculous.
2: Nine and it was weeks, na-
5: yeah. Nine weeks, and these kids, and they didn't need the to go to the job search training.
2: sleeping on the streets or sleeping at home.
5: Well, that's exactly right. and You know, it's just unfair. A lot of these kids were bumming out at other people's places and they didn't have homes. You know, these are kids that had just left school or they were on the streets before they even entered job mm-hmm. networks, so... It's just, it was, wasn't a nice place to be. Yes,
0: yeah. really, really glaring example of the oversights in our society where we just ignore the the structural issues going on in people's lives. Or not not, not, not individualise it, it's going on in society mm-hmm. that are, you know, leading people to these positions where, you know, they end up having to deal with job network agencies and instead well, of it. really looking at, oh, why, what, what are the structural Issues that are going on causing these people to be in this situation. Well that's
5: in mental health as well, you know, they didn't really care about the mental health in some of the times and that was a big thing. You know, chucking these kids into jobs that they really didn't do, want to do or they weren't suitable for. And they didn't think about what their mental state was, so that was sad.
0: Well they didn't care, I assume. They just wanted to make their money.
5: Exactly, just get them into jobs off the books, and that's what was frustrating.
2: (laughs) And that's sort of one of the problems with privatisation in general, because it's got this big focus on getting the numbers as high as possible so you can get your money from the government instead of actually doing a good job and getting people towards jobs that suit them, which Mm is, in an ideal society, what a... Job agencies should be doing I well. That's
5: it. Supporting the, the kids that really need to get out there and get a job. You know, yeah. make sure they stay with it because they're enjoying it, not because they bloody have to. Mm. Yeah,
0: yeah. I I talk about it a lot in this show, but neoliberalism is just, yeah, just another side effect of neoliberalism. And while we continue under this current system, people will be individualized, and money will be put first. And these horrible job agencies will just throw people around and yep. count their numbers and. Yeah, <laughs> and, uh, money.
2: It's worth mentioning that what these job agencies do, even before they get people into jobs, is often very punishing to the pe- job seekers. They like, okay, okay, I don't actually know any <laughs> examples, but I do know that they do put through, these people through a lot of punishment before they get them to a job.
0: And very infantilizing as well. Like, mm. they get you in there, like, we're going to help you write a resume. <laughs> it doesn't matter if you worked for 30 years as an academic, who knows, you know? Mm. <laughs> you know a lot of people know how to write their resume some people don't they might need help and that's fine but you go into these job agencies and they just assume that you're you you do not know anything and that you need to start you know in kindergarten again <laughs> yeah
5: yeah well so there's some people out there that didn't have the knowledge that really needed the help but some other people that did have the experience that were you know no fault to their own were thrown into the job networks and and just you're treated like a child really and that's mm. that was just really hard <laughs> Yeah.
0: yeah so by actually looking at you know the individual people and what their skills are properly I suppose you could they, for one they'd probably save a lot of money <laughs> yeah. you know going through these basic steps um, yeah there's so, there's so many things wrong with the, the whole system
5: well, that's it really and the confusion part of it too they don't explain you know what's going on so you you know you walk out of there and they're like what the? You know? Yeah,
0: people like people just know that they have to turn up to these appointments, mm. or they lose their doll.
5: And they're scared to lose the doll, so they've got no obligation to go. You yeah, know,
0: so. and it's, yeah, I remember the sometimes when I've had to go to these appointments, it's kind of scary. It's really, really intimidating oh, because you piss these people off, and they're like, yep. "There goes your doll."
5: That's it. Yeah, yeah. so Jaden, you know, if you get along to that forum, I'm sure Jaden can help you with a lot of the questions that you have and
0: and guide you on your way. Anti-Property Network Queensland is all over this. So get in contact with them even if you can't make it to the forum, which I will plug one more time, is 6pm next Thursday at 74B Wickham Street in the Valley. So get along or if not, just jump on the anti Poverty Network Queensland page, give it a like, share it with your friends. Uh, we might jump into some workers' action.
2: Um, before that, I've got one thing I wanted to mention about the Jibwurrung, the attack on the Jabwurrung by the uh, Victorian government that happened recently. So if you want to help with that... If you want to... Um, sorry. If you're living in Brisbane and you want to help because you can't <laughs> drive all the way to Victoria... Um, because of the border things as well but um right so you can call premier daniel andrews or the planning minister okay they can call premier daniel andrews andrews at oh three nine six five one five zero 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 or planning minister richard Wynne at oh three eight six eight three oh nine six four the Minister for Aboriginal Affairs, Gabriel Williams, at O three nine zero nine six eight five eight seven or Transport Minister Jacinta Allen at O three eight three nine two six one zero zero. And if you are looking for those phone numbers because it's a bit hard to keep track while you're just listening to the radio, you can I'm getting this list from the Facebook page Gungura Environment Centre G E C O.
0: Yeah, so if you're sitting at home today, you haven't got much to do, jump on the phone, call those numbers and um show some solidarity
2: yeah shame those people for destroying a sacred aboriginal site
0: oh absolute Mm. absolute grubs it's devastating all right so we have a story from australia post and the luxury watch scandal
2: yeah so um oh sorry (laughs) Uh, let me just find it Australia Post says it will fully cooperate with an investigation into the decision to give four $3,000 cartier watches to senior staff as a reward for a deal to do banking in post offices. Group CEO and Managing Director Christine Holgate will stand aside during the investigation, triggered after Prime Minister Scott Morrison was formed of evidence given at a Senate Estimates hearing on Thursday. Rodney Boyes, the Chief Financial Officer of the Government-Owned Business, will act in the role during the investigation. The Australia Post board and management team will fully cooperate with the recently announced investigation to be conducted by Shareholder Departments Chairman Lucio D. Battamelio said in a statement. The, we remain committed to delivering for our important stakeholders, our people, our post office partners, our customers and the community. The investigation will be conducted by the federal communications and finance departments supported by an external law firm and take four weeks to complete performance bonuses worth almost 100 million dollars and posties speeding on footpaths because of soaring workload were also scrutinized union leaders slammed australia's po- australia post leadership over the watches cpsu deputy national president brooke Muscat said members had taken a pay freeze while working harder during the pandemic how were they rewarded? not with a watch or bonus, I can tell you that she said
0: this story is just absolutely crazy <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the more it unfolds, yeah, I suppose the Australia post system really should have remained in public hands to to start with, and as you mentioned before, you privatize these these uh yeah, Australia Post, and look what happens. <laughs> we'll All get, the wealth we'll get goes straight to the top. I All straight to the top. We've got poor posties speeding around, being underpaid. Yeah, and then you end up seeing, like, you know, there's been a lot of talk over the recent years of the quality of service kind of slipping, which is what happens. Yeah, When and with COVID...
2: Yeah, yeah, especially
0: with COVID. That doesn't help either.
2: And if it hadn't been for this, like, blatant waste of money with the watches thing and they had just given them a bit more money, we probably wouldn't even have noticed.
0: Yeah. No, exactly, yeah. And what was it? The other? Oh, they hired a... Oh, what was it? Like a reputation...
2: Oh, yeah, some sort of PR person. Yeah, to try to make
0: them look good the other week. <laughs> yeah, it's just crazy. Advertising, and
5: lots and lots of jobs coming up for Christmas.
0: Oh, yeah, good. Get, get your act together, Australia but we Post. can
5: give them a luxury watch, why not?
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 let's throw some watches yeah, around. Merry Christmas. <laughs> uh, anyway, hopefully with all this being exposed, some... Good comes from it, I'm hoping. And yeah, Australia Post can get its act together. At least yeah. that. What's her name?
2: Christine remember. Holgate.
0: Yeah, at least she's been kicked to the side. So it's. That's good. She's a bit of a bit of a
2: grub. Oh, and we, she was a recent scallywag of the week. She uh, was
0: just in the, like in the last few weeks.
2: So we can definitely say that it's because of yeah.
0: us. <laughs> oh my god, we did it again! <laughs> did she get a luxury watch? <laughs> scallywag of the week comes through. We expose it. They go down. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for the end of the show when we announce this week's scallywag of the week. All right, so we're going to do a bit more workers' action. What have you got for us, Jackson?
2: Yes, and I've got a story from WA. About 2,000 people gathered at Solidarity Park on October 20th to uh, support unions' unions, WA's demand that the Legislative Assembly pass a new industrial manslaughter law introduced in February. It did so the next day, finally giving the state an industrial manslaughter law that strengthens penalties on companies which fail to ensure workers' safety. The Work and Health Safety Bill 2019 will send employees employers to prison if a worker dies because safety and quality has been compromised. The Fight for Life rally was organised a week after part of a glass ceiling at Curtin University collapsed, killing 23-year-old apprentice Johnny Hatshorn and leaving two workers critically injured. The rally marched to the Western Australian Parliament ch- chanting killer worker go to jail and pass the bill. CFMEU WA Secretary Mick Buchanan addressed the crowd saying yet again we saw the death of a young man who had his whole life ahead of him. No one goes to work not to come home. We can't say what specific failures occurred, but what we know is that the roof should never have collapsed. CFMEU youth organizer Nathan Fisher said that such negligence should not be allowed in the industry. Workers everywhere are hurting. Workers everywhere are angry. I'm angry because without knowing the results of the investigation, we all know what happened to Johnny Hatshorn was preventable and the serious injuries and life-changing injuries to Ricky Isset were preventable. I'm angry because if someone is found negligent in that investigation, the punishment will not fit the crime. Peter Carter from the ETU spoke about a court case which begun the previous week looking into a February 2015 explosion at a substation at the Morley Galleria Shopping Centre in which Alan Cummings and Matthew Hutchins were killed. We all know that the wheels of justice don't turn around when workers are involved, but to have to wait five and a half years for a member of ours to get to court to get some form of justice and compensation is an indictment on the system.
0: Yeah, this is a really important story, especially if you're over in WA, but they... They passed it. Is that what it said? So yeah, so they won. Oh that's great. That's good news. <laughs> <laughs>
2: this
0: is good news. This is good news. It's 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 terrible that um it takes the death of young men with their whole lives ahead of them for, for them
5: to do
0: anything about it. Yeah. Mm. But yes, at least at least change is happening. So Well, that's right, and no, it's a positive. It is a positive. Definitely. Yes. Do we have st- laws like that in other states. Do you have any idea? I've got no idea. I
2: have no idea either. If you know, I, text I've us. Seen, I've seen people No, sorry, that was about wage theft. <laughs> They're thinking of something else now. I'm not sure.
0: We'd love to know. If you do know the answer to that question then SMS us on 0420 626 733 or even if you just like to request a song, we might be able to fit you in before the end. But yeah, we're always looking for listener input because this show isn't just about us it's about all of you it's about all workers and it's about class solidarity um and i
2: think that while this is a pretty awesome win for the unions um it is worth mentioning that like this sort of thing the way it's applied you you have to prove in court that the that the (laughs) employer is responsible by having it be an unsafe workplace but with the kind of legal teams that most bosses have, that'll be a hard and long fight before you can actually get anything done there.
0: Yeah, that's a really good um, good point, comrade. Um, so it's a, it's a step forward, but it's only a a little step I guess <laughs> we need much bigger wider s- systemic change as we do yeah, and we need a
2: shift in power towards the working class
0: we do, well, we do, right. we need a proletariat revolution <laughs> so let's get bring it on let's get going <laughs> comrades, let's stand up and fight back we've had enough of being pushed around and working for bugger all and dying on the job and it's just, yeah we've had enough here at Workers Power they're grubs Yes, they grubs. So we hope some some bosses are listening in as well because we've got our eyes on you. Uh, We might jump into some international workers' action because we've not got a huge amount of time left.
2: Yeah, so we've got a story from Nigeria. I've seen this one during the round, so you might have already heard of it in the uprising that began with the call for abolition of the notorious special anti-robbery squad or sars police force in nigeria revolutionaries have burned police stations government buildings and banks across the country revolutionaries have also taken actions allowing prisoners to escape to freedom in the states of ondo and delta the high court on lagos island was also set ablaze on wednesday Goods that had been confiscated by the court were expropriated, and the blaze lasted long into the night. A major Nigerian TV station with links to a ruling party politician was also torched, while the palace of the most senior traditional leader in Lagos was ransacked. Despite the 24 hours curfew ordered by the Abia state government and SARS militants, on Wednesday set ablaze the town hall housing the secretariat of the Abba South Council. The officials of the Nigeria Security and Civil Defence Corps, a paramilitary group, had fled before the arrival of the protesters. The protesters defied a 24-hour curfew, marching through Asa Abba main motor park from where they broke into the gate of the Abba town hall and set it on fire. Even several police roadblocks mounted around major roads in the city and backed by soldiers could not stop the militants from torching public buildings. The traffic police control post in most areas of the city were destroyed. The, militant, the militants, who were over 600 in number, chanting war songs and were moving from one location to another. Policemen had, on hearing of their coming, fled to the two stations for fear of attack. In Lagos, revolutionaries attacked and burned down Gando police station, killing a policeman. The station officer was attacked with planks. One of the pigs who shot at re- the revolu- yeah, one of the pigs who shot at revolutionaries was descended on by the militants and beaten to death. Other policemen fled consequently the combatants rushed into the station and carted away electronics and other valuables the the office of the special anti-robbery squad was also torched in the state capital the PDP state secretariat located at alagbaka in akura metropolis was set ablaze by no fewer than 50 militants militants on thursday broke into okitipupa a correctional center in ondo state setting prisoners free no fewer than 58 prisoners were released during the attack a prison break has been reported in at the correctional center in Wari, commercial nerve of delta state as revolutionaries invaded the prison with a number of prisoners escaping from the facility the attack by militants gave the gave prisoners the opportunity to scale the prison fence and escape to freedom a section of the prison where the prisoners' documents are kept was razed down by, pr- by prison rebels. The outer part of the prison building was also set ablaze by the militants. Revolutionaries in Nigeria are taking courageous actions against the forces of oppression. Armed resistance aimed at police forces and actions following allowing imprisoned people to escape to freedom are inspiring for struggles around the world. Communists should take action to demonstrate international solidarity with the uprising in Nigeria.
0: Yeah, well, here at Workers' Power, we definitely stand in solidarity with what's happening in Nigeria. And this this is direct action, It's good as it comes, I think, when workers mm. have had enough. It's pretty
5: full on over there, isn't
0: it? Yeah, they've just had enough. They've had yeah. enough. So,
2: for context, the special anti-robbery scored uh, basically normal police, but even more corrupt. Oh, mm. <laughs> gross. <Great. Yeah, I laughs> so scary. Like, uh, the, one of the stories I read was that they... Uh, tried to arrest a guy for not giving them a bribe.
0: For not oh, giving them not a bribe. Not, wow. <laughs> okay, that's different. <laughs> oh, gosh. And
2: Goodness. The, it's just a whole bunch of other stuff, including, like, sexual assault and uh, other horrible stuff. It's just nasty. So, yeah, this is a huge, awesome fight back by the people of Nigeria. And the, it's like... Um, <laughs> I didn't have an end to that sentence. It's just That's really good. <laughs> <happens>. <laughs>
0: Fade off. No, no, you're, you're right. Yeah, this is some um, really, really full-on action happening o- over there. Um, and as I said, yes, what happens when workers have had enough? And we're still pretty most a lot of people are still pretty comfortable here in Australia, I think. And but the water's heating up, especially with the pandemic and looming climate climate crisis. People are becoming more uncomfortable. So we need to, yeah, we need to educate each other and stand together because only together... Get ready, yes, because that revolution, I hope, is coming. (laughs) Hmm. Soon. Yeah, (laughs) fingers crossed. All right, so we got another international workers' action story. Do you want to take us through that one, Jackson?
2: Sure thing. So now we've got something from Britain, which we don't usually feature mm. on international workers action but this is a the good mother
0: one. country now nah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah so in a first british trade unions commit to challenging israeli apartheid the annual congress of the trade union congress ooh, oh, re- representing nearly six million members in britain adopted a motion on september 15th which reaffirmed its solidarity with the struggle of Palestinian people for the right to self-determination, condemning the occupation and expansionist policies of the Israeli government. The resolution expressed outright opposition to the annexationist ambitions of the Benjamin Netanyahu government, backed by the United States administration and called for an end to to British government complicity. Demanding a cessation of the blockade of Gaza and support for the right, of Palestinian refugees to return, it committed the Trade Union Congress to communicate its position to all other na- to all other national trade union centres in the International and European Trade Union Confederations, and urged them to join the international campaign to stop annexation and end apartheid. What is distinct about the resolution I- is that in calling for an end to an apartheid, to apartheid, it identifies the r- Israeli state's practices towards the Palestinian people as institutionally discriminatory, thereby de- challenging the normalization of relations currently adopted, for example, by the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain and promoted by the White House. Internationalism has a long tradition in the British trade union movement. In the 1860s, mill workers in the Manchester area refused to work with slave labour-produced cotton imported from the southern states of the US, despite the hardships their families suffered as a consequence. Volunteers, many from the trade union movement, fought in the Spanish Civil War against the fascists, In the n- and in the 1960s trade unions were amongst the first to respond to the African National Congress call for a boycott of South Africa. It is in this tradition that It is this tradition that is echoed in the solidarity being expressed for the Palestinian people. When acted on, the TUC decision could make a significant contribution to the building of the international solidarity movement and encouraging unions worldwide to play a major role in the campaign, as they did in the campaign against apartheid in South Africa. The TUC commitment was the product of work by supporters of the Palestine Solidarity Campaign and trade unions, Unionists over many many decades.
0: Wow, so that's a pretty that's a pretty big deal, from what I gather. Palestine is, you know, <laughs> largely being left to fend for themselves against Israel. So I think something like this is quite overdue.
2: Yeah, it's good to see the sort of international campaign picking up momentum around the world, because it has been going on for a very long time very the Palestinian long time. liberation yeah. struggle
0: Yeah, I haven't heard much about it so this is, yeah, good news
2: Yeah, and hopefully this will keep building into something like the campaign to stop apartheid in South Africa and we can get some good things happening, you know
0: Yeah, hopefully, yeah, that'd be wonderful I'll we'll definitely keep an eye on this and keep you updated, comrades, because um, it could be quite exciting. It's, yeah, as we said, it's very much overdue. Yeah,
2: and it also highlights the importance of unions in this, any social fight, really. Um, and this, in this fight in particular, as like the large organs of the working class, we unions can do a lot to help people, even if they're on the other side of the world.
0: Yes, that's exactly right. Unions our solidarity and while the union movement in australia has had a rough time over the last few decades i like to think we're picking up so Mm -hmm. if any any of our comrades out there haven't joined their union i implore you Mm -hmm. (laughs) to go out there find out who your union is and and join up today the the benefits yeah outweigh any cost i'm a dual member yes unions are very important so get on that Bill, good job. Oh yes, Bill's back in the studio. Yeah,
1: I'm back. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've got to just. I'm trying to. Well, we are trying to create a bit of variety for the uh, listener there at home, and uh, not just my boring voice all the time, like we had through during the pandemic. It was, it was
0: really boring. I just stopped listening. Oh, thanks. <laughs> 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 no, I listen. I listen.
1: No, that's really good. And uh, thanks for Kelly coming on and being being a part of uh, of uh, Workers' Power. Kelly's uh, a, a, a a staunch volunteer here at Fort Triple Z helps helped out hugely with Radiothon, and um, yeah, yeah, it's it's good to give her some opportunities to to get on air and uh, gain some skills, and and did her first ever interview, which is uh, good on her, and I'm. I'm glad that we can uh, provide that opportunity for comrades. Um, uh, stay tuned. Kelly Kelly will be is part of the team and uh, Kelly will be back in uh,
0: um, yeah, every now and again. And, um,
1: yeah, so, yeah, well, we're waving at, at Kelly right now. Thank so. you, Kelly. Thank you. Uh, she,
0: she blended in beautifully it was great. with our it little, was really, our really little good. group.
1: All right. So um, well, we're going to move on to first off, I'm going to talk a little bit about events Right, so there's a. Um, f- uh, the first event I'm going to talk about is a great one. Uh, it's uh, the Reclaim the Night. Yes. Um, this Friday at 6 p.m. at Queen's Gardens. A Reclaim the Night is a women's rally and march demanding an end to male violence. We connect and march on the streets to reclaim our right to feel safe in our homes, workplaces and in public. Sexual violence is about power and control. It is a gendered crime and reflects the patriarchal nature of our social and legal system. The simple words, we believe you, are rooted in our connection with each other's stories and our rejection of male control and domination. I thought... Uh, yes, I will read that out because y- 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 I wanted to uh, talk about how uh, uh, here on Workers' Power, we're all feminists, all of us.
0: Yes, we are. If you're not a feminist, either you're a misogynist or you don't understand what feminism is. <laughs>
1: so, you know, uh, 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 as, a, as a man, I, 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 I'm quite proud to read that out and um, call out other men for, the, for their uh, uh, misogyny. And uh, yes, so get out there. i I'm I'm already a bit busy but I might try and get out to this one. Um it's a good good solidarity action. This Friday at six PM, Queen's Garden.
0: Yep, I'm trying to go try to convince my daughter to come along. I don't think it should be too hard. Ah, Scott,
1: yeah. Yes, yeah, guys. Yeah. well
0: she's fourteen years old, so she's already becoming uh you know, she's already having experiences. <laughs> so I think she'll come out and she'll be very staunch as she always is and
2: Yes, and right. I think it might be especially relevant because I don't know if you guys have heard about uh, there was a vigil for a young girl called Annalise. Uh, oh, I can't remember her full name anymore, but she committed suicide because a the a person who raped her, I think, was let out wasn't uh, sent to jail. So, yeah, yeah, that yeah, that was uh, yeah, a yeah story early on in the week, yeah. yeah.
1: Terrible outcome. Terrible. Yeah, yeah. He essentially, got walked out and um, worked walked out after the court case and served to. I think from memory, 13 months in jail for raping someone, which was a a, a child. A child, nonetheless. Well, that's a whole
0: other kettle of fish, the the way the justice system handles it, you know. Like Mm. only a tiny... I I think only a fraction are actually reported and only a tiny fraction of those actually lead to convictions and then the sentences really don't reflect the crime so yeah i I, I
1: still i'm gonna do one quick little sentence here and then we're going to quickly move on i like the anarchist approach to this type of thing yes we'll just keep moving on from (laughs) from that um uh, and uh, look i found this great event um and it's about musicians doing it for uh, uh showing a bit of solidarity so on, uh, I thought I'd give it a plug. On Friday, 13th of November, it will see Team Glasses Records host a benefit show for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Legal Service Queensland, atsels at the Flaming Gillar in Brisbane, CBD. Tickets are $10 on the door if available on the night. A pre sale is available via Mosh, Tick, Mosh Ticks for $13.24, including booking fee. Bands include Vestiges, who you, we've played them here on on uh, Workers' Power Vestiges, see um, How would I say that? Can't even? Oh. How would you say that? Can, can't even. C-N-T-E-V-N, <laughs> Entrapment and Western Pleasure will all play sets all, now this is the bit that got me, and this is why we're talking about it. All proceeds from the door will be donated to the—I'll use the full term—Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander, Islander Legal Services, Queensland. Um, you can make a cash donation on the night uh, that will go to to the um, the legal service. So yeah, that's I found that that's a that's a full free. They're not a sponsor or anything like that. They're just Team Glass Records. Good on them for showing a bit of solidarity and uh, raising a little bit of money for uh, for that service. <laughs> right now, the the last event, which kind of will set segue into the Scallywag of the week. Um, this week, there's a rally and mass action. It's called Close the Hotel Prisons, uh, hashtag Set Them Free. So this one is at King George Square at Friday at five pm. So head to this one and then rush on up. To to uh, reclaim the streets, um, they're going to gather in the square. Hear for some hear from some of the people locked in these cramped conditions. There's no room for exercise, no fresh air, barely any sunlight. Right. Um. I think with the, with the time left and 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 what we're going to talk about now, we we'll probably better best um, go straight to Scallywag of the Week and, and, and um. Uh, first off, before we get to the actual um, Scallywag of the Week, I want to talk about the, the Scallywag of the Week award itself. God, there's been some competition this week, comrades. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. it's a Now, I heard we won't talk about it too much because it was mentioned in workers' action and nearly but ne- so close to Christine Holgate winning the, um, the Scallywag of the Week. What uh, a grub. With, with all those watches. And then there's Premier Dan Andrews. Well, uh, well, per, 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 yeah, well, Premier, he, yeah. On one hand, he's doing, you know, he's he's bought the the state out of uh, out of a crisis, but on the other hand, he uses the exit of the crisis to to rip down some trees. One of those trees that you were describing in 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 uh, um, uh, the First Nations workers' action. That's heartbreaking. That is heartbreaking. How you know that that's it's such a cultural significance and uh, you know they they chop it down so that commuters can save a couple of minutes from the trip from adelaide to sydney for shame so there was there was that as well and then and then also now we're we're smack bang in the middle of an election and uh, or oh, we're right near the end of it unfortunately we, do, we alexis our, our our raving reporter that's our Anthony, uh, 4 for triple Z's Anthony Green uh, you know <laughs> our our uh, you know election uh, guru um, could come on to the show but we didn't we didn't have time but uh, what I wanted to do is is, is mention uh, uh, that uh, tune in on uh, Saturday night I'd say from about six o'clock there's and that's why Alexis is in here working really really hard to bring you an election night special so Tune into that. Um, So, yeah, we we had... And um, talking of electoral politics, yes, I just wanted to point out that uh, that, uh, some people involved in electric politics are real scallywags. They don't hold back in any way. And I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> I don't think uh, some of these scallywags probably don't even deserve a mention on our show. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll just uh, shout out to to all the electoral politic uh, scallywags. You know who you are.
0: I'll take <laughs> from that what you will. Yeah, and
1: um, so uh, on to the the scallywag of the week. But initially, we've got a story that, that kind of relates... Um, I'll, I'll go through it You guys have been working so hard I'll, I'll go through this one So early Saturday morning Saf Ali Saf Pronounced like
2: safe oh, That's bit. a note for you That, that you was the read before you read out the note Yes, name. safe
1: Ali safe One of the men imprisoned at Kangaroo Point Tried to commit suicide Safe hanged himself off the balcony Of Kangaroo Point Hotel Where he is indefinitely detained His life was saved just safe had requested to be released for the most urgent of matters to care for his son and wife but he was repeatedly being denied this request he was then taken from kp not to a hospital but to bida a high security prison further away from his family and without even the small relief of a balcony where he will be able to occasionally see his family from afar This is because, for them, the idea of him escaping to freedom is worse than the idea of his death. That is what the barbarity of the mandatory detention regime pushes people to do. It is ongoing torture that tries to wear people down until they have no hope left. It has to stop. Imagine how dark a place our friends must live in to want to die like that. In response... Hundreds of people showed up to the protest outside the Kangaroo Point prison on Sunday afternoon. During this action, senior constable David Giddens coward punched NTU member and uh, Jeff Rickett. Now, I'll, I'll pause on the story here. Now, Jeff Rickett is also part, is the president of the Brisbane Labour History Association, who um, we're working, I'm working with Jeff and, and others to bring them on to workers power once a month and 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 give us a bit of a chat about uh, um, you know the history of, of workers standing up and fighting back it's it's a, a import, it's been a long term thing that, that that we've been wanting to to have here um, once a month or so we we talk about a a, a good struggle uh, uh, we're going to try and get as many as we can from Brisbane of course but you know there'll be some from from other parts of the continent and around the world but we we what I'm working on the premise- I'm working on is I want to give them creative freedom uh, we just want to provide the platform for them so that they can come in and tell us um, what exciting stories that they've been investigating uh, so that's uh, on Jeff Rickett um, and so uh, he, yeah, he was coward punched uh, in the back of the head Jeff fell to the ground, began to bleed from his ear and was not released from hospital until the following afternoon The pig then proceeded to assault the people trying to administer first first aid and attempted to stop cameras from filming his name and badge number close up. The police have refused to to condemn the assault. A police spokesperson claims police are investigating policeman Giddens. Quite a lot of footage of the incident was taken at the scene. It is likely police will make up a story saying that the union member did something off-camera to justify his violent assault and attempted arrest. This is a common modus operandi of Queensland Police. They have deployed this tactic for decades at a political demonstrations like this one. In response to the assault, Jeff Rickett has this to say. We should never lose sight of the fact that the the violence inflicted on the minds and bodies of the Kangaroo Point and abided refugees for more than seven years is a crime infinitely more harmful. Their fortitude and resistance in the face of the brutality is astounding and an inspiration to all of us. So on that note and reading that story, should I say that? Constable's name. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, that was David Giddens, I think.
1: David Giddens, you you and look, it's it's A Cab really here. You <laughs> and all the police force, uh, Brisbane or Queensland police are our scallywag of the week, you shameful grub.
0: Yeah. Language warning, fuck the police. <laughs> <laughs> I really wanted to play that song by NWA today. It would have been apt. But I couldn't find it. So if the music team is listening, could you pretty, pretty please, add <laughs> it in so we could play it? <laughs> we will thrash that song.
2: <laughs> we promise we won't only play that song. <laughs>
0: we'll play a couple of other songs as well. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, but that's, yeah. that story is that story heartbreaking. I it's know, I know.
1: You, you, Look, I've met Jeff a couple of times, and and it's not like uh, it's not like he's a great union thug or anything like <laughs> that. He's a he's a it's a, a, an academic. For God's sakes!
0: Well, nothing gives the right for the police to assault people. I it know. doesn't matter if they're a yeah, union. That's, well, that's right.
1: Yeah. That's right. You know, and uh, um, yeah, yeah. It's it just a really, really nice comrade, and uh, he didn't did not deserve that. And uh, well, uh, good on him for uh, you know he, he did it by standing up for others. And. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, I was reading it and going, "Oh God, this guy's going to be on our show. How good is this?" You know. <laughs> so, uh, well, Jeff, if you're listening, well done, comrade. We're there with you in solidarity, um, and we really, really look forward to you and uh, the Brisbane Labour History Association uh, coming and being a part of Four Triple Z, a workers' power. So that's, that's the show I, I hope I've left you enough uh, time to, to play a little bit of a song A little bit more Yeah. Well, um,
2: well one thing that the, I read On the Refugee Solidarity Mianjin page Was uh, they made a really important point Was that an assault by the police On a white man like this It received national media attention But what doesn't receive attention Is the hundreds of assaults oh, I, I can't make a number But the many assaults on indigenous people That happen by police every day Yes which very very important point unnoticed and it's completely normalized in our society
0: yes it's absolutely ridiculous uh, so I think we are pretty good to sign off
2: Well stay tuned
1: Brisbane Lines is coming here uh, coming up next and we've got the, the very professional team of Max and Alexis in there so uh, so when, when once you've uh, you know listened to all the, the workers uh, you know carrying on, after that, we get the professional approach <laughs> of the Brisbane line. Hey, so hey, hey, hey,
0: hey, speak for yourself. Yeah. Oh,
1: right <laughs> Well, see, I wasn't in here today. It was you yeah, guys. We had a great yeah,
0: show yeah. about you. It was <laughs>
1: no, it was a really good show. I think that that's our best ever show. Um, so really well done, comrades, and uh, thank you to Kelly. Thank you to Jaden. And, and uh, we'll see you next Tuesday.